I want to welcome everyone that uh, might be viewing by Facebook or on YouTube. We're glad to have you and glad to have the rest of you. Let's look in Psalm 73. So if you would, let's take the Word of God, the Bible. And I'm glad we're not, I'm glad we're not, uh, we're not going to uh, read out of the Reader's Digest tonight. Amen? Amen. And I'm not going to read out of a book by Norman Vincent Peale. I'm not doing that. We're going to look at the Word of God tonight. Amen. And uh, I believe it'll, it'll help us if we'll examine it prayerfully. And, uh, and do our best to submit ourselves to it. But we must mix faith with what we read if it's going to help us. Amen? So uh, I, I want to look at this psalm. And I'd like you to look in Psalm 73 and look with me in verse 28. Verse 28. Let's, let's start this from the back. All right? From the end. And uh, because it's kind of the way that, it's kind of the way that Asaph does. And... Uh, Notice what it says, Psalm 73, verse 28. But it is good for me to draw near to God. Boy, that's a good thing. Amen. Doesn't that make sense? Yes. You know, the Bible says if we draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh to us. What a blessing. All right. It's good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. I want to speak to you tonight about the danger of distraction. The danger of distraction. Now, uh, I, I, I want to ask you about So, Would you agree with me that, boy, there is a constant battle, it seems like, for the hearts and minds of men and women? Every day you hear something on the news or you read something out of the newspaper, even here in the country, in the beautiful hill country of Texas, we get touched by things, amen? And, uh, and it's a struggle. And, and this psalm, if you notice under the numbers there in your Bible, it probably has it. It says a psalm of Asaph, a psalm of Asaph. And you say, well, who is Asaph? Asaph was David's song leader. He's credited with writing some 12 or 13 of the psalms. And, uh, and here's the thing, you know, he was a spiritually minded man and he was gifted in praise and worship and, uh, and his life, it had an impact on his family over many generations. And so, uh, and yet he was subject to the same kind of battles that, uh, that we face. And one of those battles was being distracted. And, you know, it's easy sometimes in the times in which we live, so many things tugging on us. You know, it's hard for us just to, I mean, it's hard sometimes just when you read your Bible to get your, sometimes your brain is kind of like a, I want to say it's almost like a roulette wheel, you know. Now, I'm not trying to accuse you of being in Vegas, all right, but a roulette wheel, it's just something that spins around and spins around and spins around and to finally get it to rest someplace, just when you read your Bible, man, you see something or you hear something, it distracts you or you're thinking about what you already got to do. That's that old flesh getting in the way. Because the old man is not interested in what God has to say. He's interested in what he or she wants to do. All right? Interested in that. And God is interested that you and I might feed the new man on the inside, put aside that old man, and that requires feeding upon the Word of God. And, uh, but notice, I want you to see one of his battles. I want you to see, first of all, his confession. 
his confession. Look with me in these first three verses. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now you know, now you know what confession means. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word confess or, con or confession excuse me, means to agree. When I confess to God, I, you know, when I get right in those areas, when I have to deal with things, what am I doing? I'm agreeing with God that I was wrong and he was right. That's what confession is, all right? And he's going to confess some things that are true. Number one, God is good. God is good to everybody with a clean heart. God is good. And, uh, you know, he, in him is light. God is light and in him is no darkness. God is good and he does it right every time. But no, notice what he said. He said also, he said, but as for me, <laughs> that tells me that's the opposite. He wasn't good. My feet were what? Almost gone and my steps had not, had not well slipped. In other words, he said, I had a near miss that was making me, making me question my faith. Now, when I was an air traffic controller, do you know what a near miss was in order to be guilty of having a near miss you had to be uh, a near miss was something if you were inside or if you were a thousand foot of separation and you were inside of a mile so if if a plane was over here traveling westbound and there was a plane over here traveling eastbound at the same altitude a half a mile apart that was considered a near miss I mean, that's a lot of room when you think about it. Half of 5,280 feet, you take a greater risk just driving down the road. I say every time a car passes, you go in the opposite direction. That is a near miss. You're only about three feet away. Amen. Some of them get pretty close. They got them long eared, you know, uh, mirrors on there. But he was having a near miss, if you will. In other words, it was about to make him question his very faith. And look at the other thing that he confessed that he was agreeing with God with, that he had done. He said, I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And that's the word I want you to underline. You ought, it, it, there's nothing wrong with marketing your Bible. And if you're not opposed to it, you ought to underline that word saw. He got to looking around. He had lost his focus. He got to looking around because he was distracted. Uh, you know, and these things, the prosperity of the wicked and the foolish, they had become a distraction to him. Do you know how many accidents take place, not just in automobiles, but on, on several types of equipment or in plants or factories where they're manufacturing thing and where they've got, they've got industrial uh, tools and all working? Do you know how many accidents and injuries take place simply because somebody got distracted? You think about all the people that strike out in baseball. Why? They took their eye off the ball. <laughs> and, uh, and you get in trouble like that. And that's what was happening to him. And it was happening, I guess, in, in, in frequently enough. 
and strong enough because he's going to outline some things here that he has seen. But what I, but I, what I want you simply means is this distracted. To be distracted means having one's attention diverted. It's diverted instead of being where it was. I, I one time, there was a missionary. Did you know, did you ever hear of Brother Bernie Murray? Uh, you would like him. He's in, he is in, uh, he is actually in Puerto Rico right now. And I guess Brother Bernie must be about 80 something. Brother Bernie is the one that, that, that did the, the chalk drawing. And he used to have a seaman center down on the ship channel in Houston. And he went into a rough neighborhood with bars and street walkers and, and all that. And man, he put, a, he put a seaman's club there. And he was an artist and he was very good at those things. He made it look like a wharf outside, had the big ropes and painted a huge Bible there and on the rocks and an anchor and all. And he would have things for all those ships. He was a missionary to the world. He had, he had messages in all the various languages because all the sailors that would come to America, they would come on these different ships and they were from different countries uh, like Iberia and some from, uh, from Russia. I got to go on one of those uh, container ships on a Russian ship one time. And while we were there, they took us on a tour and, uh, and we were passing out tracts and they were receiving them. There were 38 people on this ship took care of everything and uh, and so we got to the bridge and and there were you know with this equipment and the big compass you know that floats around I mean it's huge big compass like that and there were three wooden knobs right up here right just right below the glass that they would look out of and the bow of the ship was out there and so I asked I asked the man uh, I, I said to him I said Shloeta, which means what is this? You know, and, uh, and he pointed those things and he turned them around and there were numbers on there. There was a one, a two, and a three. And then this one had, a, had, a, had six and something else on. Anyway, these numbers and, and what that was for, that was for the compass heading. And there were three of these wooden knobs. And he said to me, basically what he said was, he said that the, that, the, that the guy that's at the helm, he said he forgets what the course heading is. So we have to turn those wooden knobs so he can look up there and remember so he can stay on track. Even out in the ocean, you can get distracted. Amen. Because of this, he almost lost his footing that was on the firm ground of faith. And there are going to be many things over the course of life that are uh, that can serve as distractions while we're trying to walk with God. Sometimes it's family. It could be a family issue. I mean, that gets. I mean, nothing touches us like family. Amen. I mean, because particularly, I mean, if you love them, if you care, nothing touches us like family. And sometimes it can be a distraction. Sometimes it's our, it's our finances. Boy, God knows how to get our attention, doesn't he? Sometimes. Make us look up. Sometimes it's physical. It's our own health. That can become a distraction to us. There, there have been people who have suffered through many, many physical hardships. Some of them stay on course and some of them that knocked them out of the saddle. 
And uh, you know, and I don't, I don't want to be a used to be. Amen. Amen. I don't want to be a well. I once was. Uh, I don't want to be that way uh, in my in my walk with God. And so this was his confession, and he was being honest here about it. Remember, he's writing under inspiration. These things were getting next to him. And so what was his complaint? Let's look at those things, all right? Let's look at these briefly. What was his complaint? The first thing he complained about was the behavior of the wicked. Notice what it says in verse 4. It says, for there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. What he was saying was on the surface... It seemed to him that there were no, there were no, there was no pain in the death of them or their kinfolk or or whatever of people they knew. There were no terrors, no changes or disturbances that took place. In other words, one of them died and another one took their place. Another one inherited that all that stuff and another one just kept going on. It just seemed like there was no end and there was no disruption to the way that they were living and their behavior. And as such, it says they stood firm. They're not in trouble like other men, as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. And so they're, they're proud and they, these are, they smirk in the way that they live. In other words, like, you know, do, do you remember the lady named Leona Helmsley? She was a real estate uh, mogul or tycoon there in New York. And uh, they finally got her. The feds finally got her. And I think she's dead now. I, I believe she has died. But, uh, but they got her for tax evasion. Remember what she said? Somebody interviewed about that. What do you think about that? And she said, only little people pay taxes. Well, I bet she's got the whole story now. Amen. If she didn't get saved. And so, but that's the way they live. Uh, these are for other people, but not for me. Uh, these rules apply to you, but not to me. And that's how they made their way in life. And that was how they did. They are full of pride. They are violent and they get away with it. You know, it seems like, you know, and, and I'm not here making a political thing. I'm just saying it does seem like there's that there's more than one tier to the justice system in which we have today. Does it not seem that way? Man, if some of these things that if we would have done, you know, you, you, uh, you'd have to be writing me letters. I'd be so far under the jail, you know. Why? But, you know, because if you, but if you come from a little bit of money, if you've got a little bit of status, it seems like, it just seems like on the surface that they just get away with all that. And it does make us frustrated sometimes, doesn't it? That's why I quit watching. It's vexing. That's what that means. And that's what he was experiencing. He was being vexed by the prosperity of the wicked. I, I, he's, in other words, he, he didn't get away with anything and they get away with everything. And what it was really boiling down to was, is it really worth it to serve God or not? Beloved, that's a dangerous place to be in. Is it really worth it? I'm going to cut to the chase here. Notice what he said. Look down there in verse 13. Verily, I've cleansed my heart in vain. I've washed my hands in innocency. In other words, what I think about when I read that, I said, man, even if they even if uh, they don't look dirty, but I'm going to wash them anyway. In other words, I just want to be clean. I want to be right. But I've done all that, and it's just been for what? What's the use? Why well, do all that? They get away with everything. I don't get away with anything. And that can be a real problem. 
So he, he didn't like their behavior. He didn't like the benefits they had. Look in verse 7. It says their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. It seems like they got plenty. You know, I, I, I remember, you know, maybe sometimes in, in places where I've been in ministry and all, and, uh, you know, and God-fearing people and, and churches that just seem to, sometimes they struggle or they have different seasons and so forth and they go through, and it seems like every cult in the world is out there. They just throw a church up there, correction, they throw a building up, they call it a church, they throw something up over here, and I mean, they... They just seem to just prosper everywhere they go. And I've always said, you know, the devil's got plenty of money. But you know, but here's the thing. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I have to be reminded about that sometimes. I'm just telling you. I have to be reminded about that. And so he didn't like their behavior. He complained to God about that. He complained about their benefits. They seem to have plenty of everything and never stand in need. Things always go well for them. But life was a struggle for him. And I, I think we could, we could take out the word him and you could put the word me in there. And it would fit, amen. It would fit. I remember one time, I, I'll just talk about me. I won't ask you about your stuff, but... I remember one time. Remember that we were there on uh, on City Service Highway. We were in the we were in that trailer. It was over the summertime, and I told the kids, you, you, "Have you ever have you ever just gone through the couch cushions at home? Have you ever done that?" Uh, our my kids, boy, they love to scavenger hunt, and so uh, I just said, "All right, Brian and Christy, here's what I want you to do. We got to get listen. What I want you to do? I want you to go through every couch cushion, everything, look at everything, look at all the pockets and things." And, and let's see what, what you can find, what you can find. And man, they, they brought some stuff because I wasn't getting the salary. I, I, school was out and I, it was over the summer and we were trying to figure out what we were going to do and so forth. And I was needing some groceries. And so, and, and so uh, they came back, man, I even found some money in a, in a coat pocket or whatever. And man, I went to town, I bought some bologna and I bought some bread and we were sitting around the table. We were thanking God for that. What a blessing it was. And man, all of a sudden there was a knock at the door. And I opened the door up, and, and there is the pastor of the church. And he said, brother, he said, the strangest thing happened. He said, you know, we went to the store, and, uh, and when we came out, there was no room in our truck to put our groceries because somebody bunched, dumped a bunch of stuff in there that we couldn't use. And we were thinking, man, who could use this? And, and, uh, and you came to mind. And, man, they just brought in there. They had what's called a, y'all know what a pounding is? That was my very first one. And I just stood in the doorway, and I, I'll tell you, I wept. We thank God for that bread and bologna, and I meant it. And it's just like what Brother Roloff said, Brother, the answer you have prayed for is on its way and paid for. And, and we had stuff, and we shared it with the neighbors, and, and it, was, it was just a blessing. It was just what we needed. And, uh, and the Lord supplied that need right on time. But, uh, but I'm just saying that as he looked at that, it just seemed like they had so much. And because of that, man, it just began to wear on him. They seemed to have plenty. Look down at verse 12 when it says, Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. And some of them, how do they do it? They, some of them, they use treachery. 
Some of them, they use, they use money. In other words, they get a kickback. They buy their way in and they do certain things and it takes the little guy out. That's how it appeared. That's how it looked to him. Even in his day. See, there's nothing new under the sun. There were criminals back then. You're going to find corrupt people today. And it seems like today, they're, they, you know, they don't even try to hide it. I mean, they got these crowds, just go into a store and grab something, then just walk outside and dare you to question them about, are you going to pay for it or not? I saw one thing, I saw this on the news. There was a, I think she was 73 years old, that somebody had a, had a, a grocery cart full of stuff. It wasn't groceries. It was clothing and the like, and they just pushed their way through, and there was a woman right there, and man, she took her cart, boom, and blocked him right there and said, you're not taking that outside. And man, she grabbed him. He had a stock, he had a, he had a ski mask on his face, and she said, I want to get a look at you. I want everybody else to see you too. And she snatched that thing off his head, and man, he was like, get away from me, get away. And he took off, you know. <laughs> Man, would to God we had a few men had a little courage like that. Amen. But he's in a bad spot. You know, because distraction can lead to disappointment and disappointment to discouragement and discouragement then leads to despair. It's when you begin to think that these kind of things are going to be permanent. That it really wears on a person. And then comes depression. This is where depression comes from. And so. He didn't like the benefits that they had. He didn't like their behavior. And he didn't like the boldness. He complained about this. Look, look in verse 8. They are corrupt. And speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. You know if your heart's full of pride. That's what's going to come out of your mouth. Remember Jesus said out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaketh. They just seemed to say whatever they wanted. They were blasphemous. They were profane persons. Uh, persons. They sin with their mouth. And they say then, well, how does God know? And what's he going to do about it? Look there. Look with me. Look in verse 9. They set their mouth against the heavens. They, they speak against God and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return thither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. They even actually seem like they have some influence. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Does he really, is, I mean, they mock everything. I remember once reading in this book, I gave it to Brother Larry to read, and he read it in just a day or two. Man, it took me a long time to get through it. And uh, he must be a voracious reader, which is a blessing. But uh, there was a young man in the Confederate Army, and he was a Christian. And there was an officer over him, and... Uh, and the battle was pretty rough. And man, there was a cannonade. You know what I mean when I say cannonade? There was a battery of cannons and cannonballs were coming through. And, uh, and this young believer, his horse got swept out from underneath him with that cannonball. And, uh, and this officer looked down on him and said, Oh, where's your God now? You know? And he said that he no sooner got that word off than the next cannonade came and removed his head. One of the men that was on the Mayflower. You remember the Mayflower? This goes way back in your history now. The Mayflower. You know, the Bradford Company. Those Puritans, the pilgrims that came over, many of them were so sick. 
And there was a sailor on board one of those ships and he just laughed at them and mocked them. How foolish they were and their God and their piety and praying and all these things. He made fun of them. They were green, you know, as anything, being ill and heaving over the side. But a sickness broke out and the first one to die that they actually cast a body over was that sailor who had mocked them and mocked God. I'm telling you, the Lord, he takes some of this stuff very seriously. But they think they're going to get away with it. And so he's conflicted. We see his confession. We see his complaint. And I want you to see the conflict that he has. Look in verse 13. Verily, I've cleansed my heart in vain. I read that verse to you. Washed my hands in innocence. For all day long, I've been plagued and chastened every morning. I, you know, I can't get away with anything if I think a wrong thought. The Holy Spirit man gets on me. If I, if I do this, if I get ready to say, he, stopped, he checks me. Every... It is a good thing, brother. It is a good thing. Checks me. Now look, look at verse 15. If I, and he said, if I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. And when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. He was tempted, he was tempted to start talking to other people about what was going on and how he was feeling, but he knew. And this is the thing about bitterness. The Bible talks about lest the root of bitterness spring up. It's a root, it's down there. And that root wants to bear fruit. And what does it do? It wants to sow that bitterness, that disappointment, that depression. My mom used to say, you know, if I complain, she said, well, misery loves company. You ever heard that said before? Yeah, yeah. Misery loves company. We all just sort of sit around. She used to say, what I'm going to get you, I'm just going to get you a potato. And I, I said, a potato? She said, yeah, a moping potato. But I didn't, you know, a moping, you know, and it was a potato that had a lot of eyes on it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It was overripe. Begin to sprout things and you would just sit there and look at them eyes. They were rough on me. <laughs> ah, but she loved me. I'm just saying, sometimes. It can happen to the, to the, it happened to Asaph. If it happened to him, it can happen to us. You can get in such a state of mind. So he was conflicted. And he knew if he told someone else what he was feeling, it would cause others to stumble. He said it was painful for him. But then, you know, but thank God that's not the end of the story. I want you to look in verse, look in verse 17 with me. He said, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. He had a complaint. He was conflicted. But now he's going to get clarity. What do I mean when I say clarity? The whole time in all of his expressions and all of his complaint and all that he had seen, it was all what seemed to be, but was not really what it was. It just seemed that way. Because, you know, the Lord's going to have the last word on these things. And it seemed that way to him. 
And so what happens? What happened? He went to the house of God. He went to the house of God. And beloved, this is why it's so important for us to be faithful to the house of God. The, 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 the snares and the toils and the burdens of life, like gravity, they want to pull us down all the time. But man, we need to come to the house of God and sing the songs of Zion and shake some other brother or sister's hand and enjoy fellowship together and hear the word of God and be fed so that what our spirits can be lifted again. God's not dangling a carrot in front of us. He's just reminding us about his faithfulness when we come to the house of God. He's reminding us about how things are actually going to be and not what they seem to be. Oh, they may get away with it now, but you know, here, listen to what the Bible says. Listen to this. Notice what it says. It says, it says, when a wicked man dieth, his expectation shall perish and the hope of unjust men perisheth. They think they're going to get away with it. I heard about one, uh, an actor who died this week. Uh, I think he was a comedian at one time or whatever, was an actor. And you know what his last words were? They were cuss words, like shaking his fist in the face of God and called, I mean, blasphemed against God. I bet you he won't be doing that again. <clears throat> they just think they're going to get away with it, and they don't. His perspective changed. It was here that his sight was changed from the temporal to the eternal. That's what God wants us to think about. You know, we sing that song, Sweet By and By, but it's the nasty now and now we're having to deal with. But God does want us periodically. He wants us to think about that other world. Paul even said the things that we endure right now, they worketh for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. He called it a light affliction. What he went through. Did he watch other people prosper? Absolutely. Did he watch other people maybe uh, abounding with things? Absolutely. Did he ever suffer hunger? Did it, was he ever cold, naked, in peril? Absolutely. But was that man loved of God? Without a doubt. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. And he was blessed. Blessed of God. So his perspective changed. Look what he says. Look at verse 22. He said, so foolish was I and ignorant. I was a beast before thee. He said he was blind and brutish, just like a beast. Man, his perspective changed and his prospects changed. Look there with me. You know, here's what it is. Notice what he said. Look at verse 23. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Again, I'm going to say, I said this on Sunday, it's not how well you and I are holding on to him, but it is how well he's holding on to us. Amen. Amen. Jesus said we're in his hand and his hand is in the hand of the Father. I don't know how you're going to get out of that. Amen. You're not. You're not. His prospect changed. And where did he learn that? He learned that at the house of God. And I want to say to you, beloved, there is always going to be hope and there's always going to be help at the house of God. That's why we sing the songs of Zion. That's why we need the fellowship. That's why God gave us the church. He didn't want us to be down here, you know, an individual sheep here and a sheep over there and a sheep over here scattered all abroad. No, he wants us to be together in this thing called the body. Why? 
that we can supply the need, that we can help each other, encourage each other. Man, when prayer is answered, doesn't that encourage the rest of us? Yeah, I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to bring that before the Lord. Why? He answered that one. He'll answer this one. God supplied a need. Yes, amen. God is going to supply my need. And sometimes that need is just wisdom on how to be a good steward with what God's already given us. Sometimes having more is not what we need. You said, man, everybody needs more. Well, not if you're not if you're going to waste it and be right back where you were. I told you, Brother Rogers got a message on why am I always broke? <laughs> you, need, you, need, you need to get it. Man, I remember listening to that band back in the back in the early 90s when he preached that. I had a tape of that. And we played it, me and another preacher. We were hanging sheetrock. Man, he just it just we were all hanging our heads while we were while we were working, man. Why am I always broke? It's true, we need to be good stewards of what the Lord's blessed us with. And so, uh, but his prospects had changed. Man, he had the Lord's presence. Look at verse 23. I am continually with you. That's the Lord's presence. Look at verse 24. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. That's protection. God will guide you along the way. Beloved, he has a will for your life and wants to direct you in that. And in that will, there is peace. And in that will, there is provision. And in that will, there is protection. And he does it consistently. I'm just telling you, he does it consistently. And what I experienced there in that, in that trailer door that day, God has been faithful to supply our need over these last 40-odd years. And some of you could testify to the very same things. Amen. He is faithful. He had the Lord's presence. He had the Lord's preservation. And then look at verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. Boy, his whole, his appetite changed. His attitude changed. Everything changed. When he began to see things from the vantage point of being in the house of God. And what that means as a child of God. This is why Hebrews 10.25 is so important. Listen to this verse. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of the Lord is approaching. And beloved man, now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. We're in the last and the last of the last days. And so much more we need the fellowship of the saints we need to collect it we need this body of christ to worship together it's what we need what we need because he reminds us notice what it said look at verse look at verse 27 for lo they that are far from thee shall perish what's he saying there are consequences from living a godless life and equally there are consequences and confidence that comes from living a godly life. Look at verse 28 again. Now, it makes a little more sense, doesn't it? But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. There was confidence. Man, that's what we need. And that comes from that fear of the Lord. It is produces strong confidence. What? Confidence of what? That I can just go out here and do whatever? No. That man... My heavenly father is, is overseeing what I'm doing, trying to guide my steps, trying to supply my need. 
and helping me along the way and meeting my need, feeding me, fellowshipping with me. That's what he wants to do. It's why he saved us. It's not just to keep us out of hell and keep us out of... Yes, I know that's true. He has delivered us from the penalty of sin. But beloved, I'm telling you, what he really wants to do is have fellowship with us. Not just corporately, but individually. And then you bring that spirit of worship here where we can do it together. Corporately, as a body, as an assembly. The Bible says the hope of the righteous shall be gladness. The hope of the righteous. And that's not a maybe so. That's a confident. It shall be gladness. But the expectation of the wicked shall perish. That's Proverbs 10 and 28. I'm telling you, beloved, it made a difference. He got distracted. And there are some dangers in that. And his feet had nigh well slipped. Boy, we got to maintain our focus, beloved. We got to keep the priorities right in our lives. And, uh, and, and I'm telling you, God honors the man or woman who honors him, who keeps those things aright. That's what, you know, that's one of the reasons why we have a midweek service, because I don't know what your week's going to bring. You don't know what your, you don't know what a day is going to bring. Sometimes we just need a shot in the arm. Sometimes we just need a word of encouragement. And uh, sometimes we just, we just need something to help me go what? I'm just another mile. Just another mile. So I want you to take your songbook and I want you to go to number 100. We're going to sing this a cappella. All right. And for those of you at home, that means without music. Amen. All right. Number 100. And this is such a great song. And uh, I, I know that the ladies are going, to, are going to come around to learning it. But it's so true. It has it's such a truthful thing. So if, if you could, if you want to stand, you just stand, all right? Otherwise, we're going to sing, and I'll get you started, all right? Ready? Day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here, trusting in my Father's wise bestowment. I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. Every day the Lord himself is near me with a special mercy for each hour. All my cares he fain would bear and cheer me. He whose name is counselor and power, the protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid as thy days thy strength shall be in measure this the pledge to me he made look at this third verse help me then in every tribulation so to trust thy promises o lord that I lose not face, sweet consolation offered me 
within thy holy word. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting, ere to take as from a father's hand, one by one, the days, the moments fleeting, till I reach the promised land. Amen. 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 Well, that's who he is. That's who he is. I love that as a father. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid. Well, don't ever forget that, beloved, no matter how it may look around you. There is a God over all these things. Christ is on the throne. Amen. And, uh, and we just need to look to our high priest. That's not empty claptrap. That's fact. Fact from the word of God. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for these dear saints. And uh, Lord, thank you for the precious word. Thank you for Asaph's honesty and his humility, Lord, in how his heart was changed. Thank you, Father, for your loving kindness and faithfulness in what you showed to your man. Thank you, Lord, for the years you've given us. So faithful, Father, in so many ways, protecting us. I think, I think Lord, in heaven, we're going to see some of the things that you protected us from, and we weren't even aware of it. Thank you for your goodness, Lord, to us. We love you tonight, and we just ask God that you'll bless us this week. Help us to keep this song, this truth upon our hearts. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.